0: All right. Would you like to count us down?
1: And five, four, three, two. Let's go, Steven. And I should know the words based on how many times it's played <laughs>
0: let's go Steven here we go here we go the skin of the city <laughs> we live let's go Steven You know all the words. Here we go. That's us.
1: (laughs) Lipstick on
0: teeth. I I just didn't want to stop it. (laughs) That has to be up there with like through the Trees for, like, my favorite fictional song. <laughs> uh-huh. Through the Trees from Jennifer's Body.
1: Yeah. Were gonna- I didn't really know the melody, or I
0: would have at least da 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 along. <laughs> oh, no. well, they do that at the end of the song. There's a... Da-da-da-da-da-da-da.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna have to listen to the song more. Yeah.
0: Turning Teeth by Outside of the Moon. Burning Teeth by Jesus and the Brides of Dracula. Great song. Um welcome to episode one hundred and twenty four. Santa Mira After Dark. I'm Jeremy.
1: And I'm Steven.
0: And this week we are tunneling beneath the skin of the city we live within. Cause what are we talking about today?
1: We are talking about under the Silver Lake.
0: Yes. Under the Silver Lake, directed by David Robert Mitchell, starring Andrew Garfield uh, and Riley Keough. I think it's how you say her name. I still haven't, good still, still haven't learned how to properly say her name from when we did The Lodge a couple years ago, <laughs> but it's okay. This was a film that uh, A24 kind of uh, swept under the rug, and I have a couple theories as to why. Uh, one of them is... That it's such a bizarre film that kind of like requires multiple viewings to kind of pick up on a lot of the messages it's trying to send, Mhm, uh-huh. and another one is that this movie is so like anti Hollywood and like anti trashy men in Hollywood that they were like, no we we can't put this out <laughs> um yeah, it, it just seems like it's. I don't know, I I guess the idea was to release this in 2018 around Oscar season and, or no, it was like May 2018. And then they were like, no, we're going to push this back toward Oscar season, we're going to have it get some Oscar buzz and obviously that didn't happen because I I, I don't think this is a movie that the Academy is going to gravitate towards anyway. Yeah. So the the Blu-ray ended up coming out in, like, France or something in, like, late 2018. Then A24 was like, all right, well, we're releasing it in theaters in the United States in May of 2019. So this movie was, like, out there, like, in, like, the, the Torrent website. Like, it leaked and everything. Uh-huh. So it, like, stood no chance in theaters. So it was kind of like...
1: I would have seen it in theaters, huh?
0: Because I remember seeing the trailer in 2018, and it was like just felt like a movie that was like for me. <laughs> like there's just something about, about uh-huh. this movie that like I gravitates towards, and I don't know if it was because as a, a teenager I was kind of like Andrew Garfield's character Sam, where he is like trying to decode things and find like hidden meanings and things. Like I, I was a I, I was a conspiracy theorist back when, uh, you know, back when I was a teenager. Not not anymore, but <laughs> kind of just felt like something that I...
1: Before it was cool.
0: No. Yeah. <laughs> In like 2009, I was a conspiracy theorist. But yeah. Yeah, I remember that. But yeah, this is... Uh, it just felt like something that I would have gravitated towards. And unfortunately, I, I don't even remember this coming out in theaters around us. I just remember it being, like, dumped to VOD. Yeah, I, think, I think it was, point. like, in theaters and then dumped to VOD shortly after. Plus, the Blu-ray was leaked elsewhere, so didn't help anything. So the movie kind of went under the rug, and... I mean, I, I, I guess we can get into, like, our thoughts. But before we do that, um would you like to give a brief plot description? of Under the Silver Lake. So Under the Silver
1: Lake is about this guy. (laughs) He was trying to figure out what happened to his new neighbor. Kind of guess he he likes her. And while he's trying to discover what happened to her. He starts discovering a bunch of secrets in Los Angeles.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a good way to describe it. Um, yeah, and I guess one of my questions that I'm going to ask about this movie is how much of this movie do you think actually happened? Like, do you... So, so, like, do you think this is 100% literal and, like, all of this stuff actually happened to Sam or do you think some of it was in his head or, like... Where like where are you on that?
1: Um, oh yeah, that's a that's a good question because he was kind of hallucinating a bit throughout the movie.
0: Yeah, so I, I, so I don't know. I like I like to think a lot of it. I, like, it, it
1: go ahead. I think pretty much all of it happened.
0: Okay, that's kind of the side I'm on because there's something that this movie says, and I, it was intentional because David Robert Mitchell's plan. What this movie was like, he was in Los Angeles or something. And he like looked up into the Hills and was like, I wonder what really goes on up there. Like it, it's, mm-hmm. it's like such a foreign world that like, you know, no one really knows what really happens up there. So yeah, like it, it could just be like this foreign world where things that don't necessarily happen to us actually happen. There are yeah. there are a couple things that I want to talk about that I don't think are literal, or that there are massive theories that are suggesting that's not li- that it's not literal. But we'll get into that. So first, uh, we'll get get into our uh, spoiler free thoughts on uh, under the Silver Lake. So, what did we think about this movie?
1: It is a very good movie. It's funny because like the first. Maybe forty minutes, you think it's gonna be one thing. Or maybe even less than that. Maybe like the first half hour. You think it's gonna be one thing, but then it turns out to be really this whole spectacle of like hidden hidden mysteries throughout the whole movie, pretty much.
0: Yeah, it's like almost like a missing persons movie, like Gone Girl, mm-hmm. Gone Girl or Brick or something like that. And yeah, it just goes off into this very foreign world that it I, I don't know, it's it it gets nuts. But yeah, this is so I, I I put I put this on my letterbox review for this movie the other day. If you put a gun to my head and asked me to name one movie that is my favorite movie of all time, I would be hard pressed to not say Under the Silver Lake. And uh-huh. it's like every time I watch it, I just love it even more. And this is probably like the sixth or seventh time I've watched it. And I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, that's that was a very good movie. A24 did that movie dirty. And then it's like I started seeing like people analyzing the movie and like just going down this rabbit hole of like what things mean. And mm-hmm. I think in doing that, because I've done it a few times, where I try to pick apart like certain scenes and like what scene, like what things in the background mean. And I think in doing that, I kind of like—I'll admit to it—I became obsessed with this movie. <laughs> so you're you're joining Sam on his journey, pretty much. That's that's literally what it feels like. And I I don't know <laughs> if that was the intention behind. The making of the movie to kind of make you feel like you're relating to Sam because it really does that. And there's like things in this movie that don't mean anything. Like it, it's mm-hmm. it's literally like a clue, but it literally doesn't mean anything. Like there's that whole thing with like the the neighbor's bird talking, and they mention it like three or four times. Like what the heck is that bird saying? oh and yeah. It, the end of the movie, like, it literally doesn't matter. Like, it, it doesn't serve a purpose to the movie. It doesn't... You know, It, it's literally like... She literally doesn't know what
1: the yeah, bird's saying. <laughs> yeah, it's,
0: it's like a clue that you're... You would think about a little bit and then you just get to it and it's like, well... End of the movie, no one knows what the bird says. And the same thing with the owl's kiss, which we'll get into because that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. It's like... <laughs> This big mis- this big mystery uh-huh. involving, like, who is the owl's kiss? She just leaves the movie and doesn't come back. <laughs> so, it's like, yeah. it doesn't matter. And even the main plot of the story with Sam hunting down Sarah and finding out where she's at, like, at the end of his journey, it doesn't matter. And yeah. there's just something about that that I just really love that this movie has the balls to take you on this like world altering journey pretty much for it to just mean nothing <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so yeah I I would be hard pressed to think to come up with a movie that I love more than this and I mean I, I'm probably going to say this like five times on the podcast when we talk about different movies but there are like a bunch of movies that I consider my favorite movie of all time, probably like five or six of them. So this would be on yeah. that list. I don't really have like a definitive favorite movie ever, but this is definitely in the top like five or six. I'm just. Yeah, it's a hard yeah. question. If you had to pick one, what would you pick?
1: Mm. Let me Let me think. I just looked at my favorites on Letterboxed. Um,
0: the Green Knight, maybe. Oh wow, your favorite movie of all time? Hmm.
1: Or Star Wars Episode Three. Okay. <laughs> or Last Night in Soho. Interesting.
0: I I I don't know why I didn't expect you to pick like the Green Knight or movies like that.
1: Jennifer's Body. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't really know what I would have picked you to. Like, like, pick for your favorite movie of all time. I don't think it would have been The Green Knight, though. It's interesting that we both have a recently released <laughs> A24 movies on our pop <laughs> uh, movies of all time list. But, yeah.
1: Yeah, that movie ended up being one of my favorite movies.
0: Yeah, I need ever. to rewatch I Wait. I need to rewatch it. I'm probably going to save it for the holiday season. But, yeah, I definitely mm-hmm. want to rewatch it this year. I didn't get to it last year. So Alright, so this movie is hard to talk about like spoiler wise, like without spoiling anything, so did you just want to jump into the spoiler yeah. section? Okay. Yeah, we can. Alright, so right off the bat, I wanna ask you. Who do you think the dog killer is? <laughs> um
1: I thought it was Sam for a moment. I still especially especially at the end I feel like it could be him. It almost seemed like that's what they were going for, but they didn't fully want to reveal it.
0: Yeah, it it's another one of those things that like it's just unresolved, like it's never really confirmed whether or not Sam is the dog killer but I'm on the I'm on the side of I'm still convinced that Sam is the dog killer I know there's people Mm -hmm. that are like the dog killer isn't even real and like the dogs are a metaphor for women in Hollywood which could be too but
1: it seemed like there are little dogs being killed there's
0: missing dog posters everywhere and I, I, I just think Sam uh-huh. is responsible for being the dog killer. Because there's, there's that one scene specifically where he's talking to Topher Grace at the bar. And Topher Grace says, have you heard about those dog killers? And Sam seems surprised to hear that there could be more than one. I, that was one of them where I was like, uh-huh. well, he's really convinced there's only one dog killer. So I think... I. Yeah, so I, like I think he's literally the only one, like literally the dog killer. Uh, se- second off, when he meets uh, Sarah's dog Coca Cola, he gives it a dog treat, and it's revealed that he constantly carries dog treats with him, which is something that I would suspect yeah. a dog killer would do. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Me also, too. there's like an ongoing trend in this movie where he's constantly seeing women barking at him, or like yeah. there's that one scene where he sees a man dressed as Sarah, and that guy start, starts barking at him.
1: That was the un- most unnerving one.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I like I took it as that he's constantly being um, haunted by dogs because like he's the Dog killer. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of how I just took it. Um, so yeah, I'm on the side of thinking that he is the dog killer. Yeah. Even at the beginning of the movie, like when the girl's wiping "Beware the Dog Killer" off the window, the words "Beware the Dog Killer" are looming over Sam. Yeah. There's that scene where it's in the it's written in the street "Beware the Dog Killer," and there's four people standing around it and Sam's shadow is the only one that's looming over it. So, I think that the signs are leading to Sam being the dog killer, but yeah. Once again, it's one of those things that just not ex- not really explained and no one really knows who it is. Also, I'm going to draw your attention to the beginning of the movie in the diner. Did you happen to see one of the guy's shirts?
1: Uh-uh.
0: There's a guy wearing a green shirt and it has a bear, a walrus, an alligator, a raccoon, a dog, an ostrich, a giraffe, a koala, an elephant. Or no, I'm sorry. A koala, an iguana, a lion, and a raccoon. So if you take the uh-huh. if you take the letters of those Like, the first letter of those animals, it spells out, Beware the Dog Killer. Mm. And that shirt also appears in the um, rooftop party thing that's going on. Like, one of the people are wearing it there. So those people are the dog killers? I mean, it, it could be, but <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's like this movie kind of constantly throwing, like, subliminal messages at you I think I'm I'm more toward that because I I do think Sam is the dog killer and I think those shirts are only in scenes that Sam is in so I mean I guess he's in the entire movie because it's a character study on him but yeah I, I don't think it has anything to do with the plot or anything I just think it's an interesting thing in this movie but
1: no, I was actually pulled by the movie.
0: Okay, explain.
1: Both times I watched it because when it starts, it's talking about this dog killer. So I'm just like, oh, this whole movie is going to be about, um, like a murder mystery. Yeah. And then it is for a quick minute until it's not, and then it switches.
0: Yeah, and I don't really know like the point of where it switches it's almost like you're just watching it and it's like oh we're on this journey now (laughs) like there's not really a a point where it like flips I guess it could be when he wakes up in the morning and Sarah is gone that that could be the Uh point where it switches but then it seems like first it's like you're on the journey to find
1: it seems like it's almost like you think that's where the murder mystery would begin but it kind of begins right away and then once she goes missing, it switches.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there, I don't know. It, it's, like, just this gradual, like, procession to pr- progression to this, like, other side of the story, it seems. And then there's, like, yeah. that turning point where he's, where Sam is talking to that girl who is, uh, appropriately just titled actress. <laughs> um who I guess is the girl that he's sleeping with for the time being.
1: Mm -hmm. And he has several different encounters with women. Yeah,
0: but that's like the the turning point where it's like, oh, we're on a conspiracy journey, because that's where he kind of spills it that he is like this conspiracy nut. He's been trying to decode things. He's been watching uh, Wheel of Fortune since he was a kid, and Vanna White, like her footsteps were... um, you know, like, I i guess in a pattern that he constantly uh-huh. was watching and he ins- insisted that it meant something. And it's like, this is the turning point into, like, what this movie is about to become. And then she she's just like, no, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to see myself out now. <laughs> 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 also, the skunk smell didn't really help anything.
1: Um, uh-uh. Oh, yeah. Speaking of that, I don't know if it's just me, but the movie has to try and remind you constantly that he is not charming, even though he's (laughs) introvertial. Yeah. Because every time you think, oh yeah, he is very um, charming, I like him. Somebody has to mention his smell.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and just the way he dresses, like he's wearing shirts that or, like, way too small, which kind of imply he's wearing shirts that he had when he was younger. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they constantly, it's like, what's that smell? <laughs> and then. We've got to remind the audience. There's like. He's not Andrew
1: Garfield, so.
0: <laughs> there's like that one scene where they're hanging out at Alfred Hitchcock's grave and they mention the smell, and he's just like, oh, uh, the skunks are out this year. Or, or this time of year, he doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't necessarily say it's him, but he says that the skunks are around. So he's kind of like like oh, the skunks sprayed somebody else.
1: <laughs> yeah, and they also he says. I think he says weed at some time, at some point
0: too. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: Which I guess it does have the similar smell.
0: Yeah, I um, I had a dream. Like, last week that I got sprayed by a skunk, and it was terrifying.
1: <laughs> That's like... I almost had a skunk encounter once. Oh, did you? Mm-hmm. Where? At my friend's house.
0: Oh. Yeah, I've never, like, I've I've seen them, but I've never been, like, close enough to get sprayed or anything.
1: So I desperately needed to... I guess I didn't desperately need to, but I needed to throw something away. In a dumpster, and I was walking over there, and then I saw a skunk run over there, and I was like, "Oh my god, there's a skunk! I can't go over there." And then I saw it leave, so that was my opportunity to run real quick. Okay.
0: <laughs> that probably would have scared it even more if it saw you run over and dump something in there. But
1: well, look, well, it ran away at that point. Okay. So I was not getting
0: skunked. Okay. Um. <laughs> Yeah, speaking of um skunks. Like I I think this the scene where he gets sprayed by a skunk I think is just this this movie does a good job of telling you that Andrew Garfield's character is focused on the wrong things. Yeah. Like he's about to be evicted from his house and he's like, "Oh, I don't need to get a job. I need to go on this."
1: That's just lingering annoyance the whole movie cuz I kept thinking you have like two days to pay your rent and and you're out here at the bar.
0: <laughs> well, I think that scene in particular, when he gets sprayed by a skunk, because it's a scene where he's getting like chased by someone or he thinks he's being chased by somebody. Yeah. I think that's a way of being like he's focused on the wrong things. Like he's focused on somebody potentially following him instead of like this danger that's literally like right in front of him like he's about to be sprayed by a skunk and he's worried about somebody who is either following him or not following him you know yeah not to say i wouldn't be scared by that too because that shot very uh very like terrifying so
1: <laughs> no it almost didn't look human
0: yeah and i like i don't really know if he was being followed by somebody or if it was just his head that he was being followed by somebody, because he is a very like paranoid person. To where he might think he's just being followed by like members of the secret society, considering how he grew yeah. up. Yeah. So I, I don't know, but yeah, I thought that was that was an interesting thing. I, I also love like the little animation parts in this movie where they'll talk about like the owls kiss and under the silver lake. Like the the book in the movie, they'll do like uh-huh. these little animation, like animated shorts that tell you what the comic books actually are. Like I I really love those too. Like this is where I kind of believe the theory that that Sam is actually killing women instead of dogs, or whoever the dog killer is. They're killing women instead. Yeah, or, or both. both because the book tells us that it's like a jealous actor mm-hmm. and he took out his aggression on dogs but like really i don't think dogs like killing dogs wouldn't satisfy your um failed act failed acting career like it would be to kill other actors like that's who you would take your jealousy out on so i yeah. that's where i think like the dogs are a symbol for women because like this jealous actor is now going on like this serial killer serial killing spree for women I guess or like other actresses. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it's never really confirmed one way or another. Um they tried to ask David Robert Mitchell like for any clarification on what some of this stuff means and he's just like yeah, the movie's a mystery. And the characters are mysteries, so I won't say anything.
1: <laughs> so you get nothing.
0: Yeah, and that's I'm okay with it. Well, well, that that's another reason why I think I love the movie so much because like there's like it creates this discussion on like different meanings of things, and technically like no one is really wrong. Like I I've seen one YouTube video where this girl was talking about how it's a character study on Andrew Garfield's life had he have not become a successful actor. And I don't necessarily agree with like that theory yet there's just so so much to go off of that would deviate from that. Yeah. But like technically she's not wrong because there isn't an answer as to what things mean. And there's not like, like the director didn't come out and give a proper meaning. He didn't, release, like, a commentary on the movie to kind of explain some things. It's just, like... You guys can talk about it and figure it out, and whatever you guys come up with is the answer. Could be anything. Yeah, that's what that's what it seems like. <laughs> so I want to talk about how... Um, Sam treats his mother. Because that's, like, another... Um, thing this movie does to show that like his his attention is in the wrong places because he's cheating on his girlfriend or the girl he's sleeping with for one thing mm-hmm. he's like I don't know if they're officially together or not, they never really say he's uh spying on the naked neighbor and her pet bird, yeah, his mom calls him on the phone and is like trying to get him to watch the movie Seventh Heaven. Starring Janet Gaynor. And I haven't seen it's it's a silent film from like 1927. I know he finally
1: watched it at the end. Yeah. Or toward the end.
0: Yeah. He's he well that that's where he sees Sarah right after that. Mm-hmm. So so like he's talking to his mom, she's trying to get him to watch this movie, and then he sees Sarah who's listening to Turning Teeth, and then he just rushes her off the phone. So, it's like, he's kind of ignoring his mother, who, I don't know, I've, I've also heard that there's a theory that his mother is actually dead, and he's, like, not actually talking to her, he just thinks he's talking to her. Mm. But either way, he rushes his, his elderly mother off the phone so he can spy on this <laughs> woman and her and her dog. I just thought that was, uh...
1: Priorities.
0: <laughs> yeah. And another thing that would suggest that his mother is dead is later on when he passes out drunk in the cemetery. She ends up calling him in the morning and is like talking to him about like, hey, did you watch Seventh Heaven yet? I'm going to send you the tape. And then he wakes up and he's laying on Janet Gaynor's grave. Yeah. So. it's Kind of like another thing that would suggest that he's. Uh, Or that his mother's actually dead. Also, um, I think Janet Gaynor is so important in this movie, or so, like, relevant in this movie, is because I guess she was a young actress who didn't want to be an actress, but her stepfather, like, forced her into it. So I think that's, like, a commentary on, like, scummy men in Hollywood, like, forcing women, like, forcing women to do things. I think that's what it is.
1: Oh, yeah, we could talk about the, the guy with the masks that shows up, like, one time. Oh, the, uh,
0: the writer. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, I I guess he writes, like, comic books based off of characters that could exist in real life, I think is the idea. Mm-hmm
1: cuz he only shows up the one time and he has like these molds of celebrities faces all on his wall apparently they're in like a specific order too
0: yeah he also has like money in in jars <laughs> like if you if you look <laughs> at the background of his his house it's very bizarre cuz he has money in jars he has peeps like in a case like the marshmallow peeps he has them just like lined mm-hmm. up in like a glass case, and it says "Peep show" on the on the uh, on the box. Like w- what was your interpretation on like the masks like
1: <laughs> I don't know if he was just like obsessed with all these people, or they're like, I don't know. like inspirations or something. Well, or he knew or people he knew. I
0: I, I don't know, I could, I could see that. I think it's, like, he is trying to, like, bring, um... Like, he's trying to make sure that these people live on, I think is the idea. And I don't know why, like, their faces would be the, the idea to get <laughs> them to live on.
1: Well, no, he did say that.
0: And then he says, that, like, even though, um you know, like, the the people are obviously going to live on. Like, we still remember people that that's faces aren't molded. Like, we still remember them. <laughs> yeah. But he says that he needs to find a family so he, he can um, pass these on to other people. And I guess that's the movie's commentary on, like, making sure people live on long after they die. And they,
1: they he just has a very specific way of doing it, yeah
0: it not not the ideal way, I guess, um and I think it's like he is i guess obsessed with famous people and is like, yeah, I need to ensure yeah. that these people live on, and the movie also does that in like later on in the movie, where they are eating on uh the it's when Balloon Girl takes Sam to like that secret party and they're they're mm-hmm. they're eating on like tables that are the tombstones of dead actors. So it's like in in a, in a weird way this movie is like trying to keep the legacy of dead actors and actresses alive whether they're just like mentioned in like a passing way or like they're shown like their tombstones are shown things like that yeah. or, like their faces are on the wall I think is the idea. It's also hilarious that um, that the, the writer is just killed off. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's done in such a weird way because mm-hmm. isn't that after Sam goes through the tunnels? I think so. So he's like brought to like this weird like underground chamber and it's like bunkers and stuff. And this the, the the thing here that I took that this might not be real as well is because there's a, a scene early on where Sam is playing Mario. And if you look mm-hmm. at the background in one of these rooms, there's like Mario pipes up top. Like the the green pipes uh-huh. are up there. So I wasn't sure if like that was literally well that part that part might not
1: be 100% real. I know he ends up in like the convenient or the grocery store or whatever. Yeah. Like the tunnel leads to the grocery store and, and then he quickly finds a crime scene.
0: Yeah, it was such like a odd an odd end to that <laughs> journey.
1: <laughs> Cause as long as I was like, Oh, that's it. <laughs> like
0: it it seemed like it's almost like you accidentally like skipped a chapter on like the Blu-ray. Because he comes up from the tunnel, and it's like, oh well, you just discovered. He's just just walking down the street. A world-altering secret that there are like bunkers underground, like underneath Los Angeles, for some reason. And then he just goes to the writer's house, and the writer is like, oh, he he committed suicide.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and and then we know right away that he did not. Well, but then we kind of see his. Surveillance footage to confirm. Well, it's funny because it.
0: the police say that they like searched his house and they just thought he was weird. So, like, he could have killed himself. But yeah, it, toward the end of like that, it's shown that the owl's kiss was actually in the house. And I, I guess that would be dependent on if you actually believe the owl's kiss is real. <laughs> you know? Like, Sam could mm-hmm. also be. Hallucinating. Is it really on the dollars? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I, I can confirm that there there's actually an owl on the dollar.
1: Oh, did you check?
0: I mean, I haven't checked recently, but I I do remember seeing it on there. Mm-hmm. There's actually a lot of like weird things on the dollar bills that you wouldn't really think is there. Um... Yeah, it's such, like, an abstract piece of... It's not really, like, another one of those things that, like, it doesn't really have meaning. It's just, like, a bunch of, um, like, wild artsy things on there, it seems. But, yeah. But, yeah, um, are you convinced that the owl's kiss is real? (laughs) I guess would be, I guess that'd be the next question leading in, like, from the writer yeah i thought it was real i i think i think she's real too i'm not quite sure like how she was able to escape sam that quickly because she like runs through um so she she sees sam and she gets scared which is like just seeing her in fear (laughs) scared me (laughs) i don't know why like yeah i
1: because why? <laughs> I
0: think this is him. This is David Robert David Robert Mitchell showing his like horror roots because he directed It Follows. Mm-hmm. And even in it, It Follows, there's like these long, like creepy shots like that of like people walking toward the camera, and it's like it's not really something that is scary. It it's still unsettling. Like, it's something that shouldn't be scary, but it's, it's still scary.
1: Yeah. But
0: yeah, the, the whole Owl's Kiss thing is uh, probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Um,
1: and then after that scene, it's just never brought up.
0: No. And that That's, like, hilarious how that actually happens, because... It's like he runs... Like, he he pulls out a gun on the Owl's Kiss. She runs away into, like different room and then she's just gone and then the landlord and a police officer knock on the door and they're like "Are right, rent's due <laughs> and that's just cool. the end of it um, yeah do you
1: think she would that would come up more but
0: yeah no. I don't know Um, a couple of theories I've heard on the owl's kiss one is that it's balloon girl which I don't necessarily believe. I don't think there's a lot of evidence that would suggest that it's Balloon Girl. Another one would be... It's right before this, uh, Sam calls one of those actresses from that, um, that ad in that movie. Mm-hmm. I guess one of the theories is that The Owl's Kiss is uh, one of those girls. And what they do, since they're, like, prostitutes, they find out, like, who calls them and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then they come back and then they kill the people as, like, this way of killing off, like, scummy men who just try to buy women. I guess that's probably my favorite theory. But I also don't think that that's the case. I mean, it's a different actress that plays the Owl's Kiss and... The girl that shows up to his house, but yeah, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're not the same character.
1: Yeah, because they always have different people play Ghostface, so why not?
0: Yeah, that's true. That that's a that's a great transition. I'm I'm glad you said that. Um, <laughs> there's there's a scene in this movie that does the same thing that Scream Six did, where it takes a scene from the original invasion of the body snatchers. And it's the scene where the guy's yelling at the camera, like they're already here and they're going to kill all of us and blah, blah, blah. They use it in scream six when the therapist is about to get killed. Uh And they use it in this movie when, um, Sam gets back to his house after he meets with the songwriter. So it's like a way of foreshadowing in both movies that, like, there are people here that are going to kill you, and, like, there's ass conspiracy and all this yeah. stuff. Yeah. And, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, because that was a perfect uh, perfect segue into that. <laughs> what, are the, <laughs> what are the odds? I'm beautiful. So uh, what do you think about a songwriter?
1: Ooh, I really liked that scene.
0: Yeah. I feel like most people would probably say this is their favorite scene in the movie. Um, And I know I've said that like three times, (laughs) that this is my favorite scene.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that scene was great.
0: Yeah. And I guess they put the guy in prosthetics, made him look, like, disgusting and old and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And kind of just...
1: Yeah, so he he pretty much... um... Wrote everybody's favorite song, and they all have hidden messages in them.
0: Yeah, and it's very um, heavily suggests that like this guy doesn't care about anything that he wrote, and yeah, you can see like the the heartbreak on Sam's face once he realizes like oh I'm a because Kurt Cobain is his favorite uh, musician. So like, mm-hmm. imagine like your favorite artist and it's like the songs that they supposedly wrote that have like these deep meanings to you and you think that they mean a lot to the artist like imagine if they didn't and someone else wrote the music and like Kirk Cobain yeah. for example he was just a puppet and you know smells like teen spirit was not written by him and like pretty much all of his hits and all of his music were not written by him and they didn't mean anything to him. Like, that's... Uh, like, a heartbreaking thing. Also, um... A shocking realization. Uh, also, it's, um, it's revealed that he... That the songwriter wrote songs for Beethoven for some reason. <laughs> like, one of the songs <laughs> he plays is, like, 200 years old. And he claims that he wrote...
1: Yeah, I just, I just picture him being immortal. But it's still aging and having to write songs for eternity.
0: Well, that was one of my questions, was that, like, is he is he immortal?
1: <laughs> Not anymore, but...
0: So, I was under the interpretation that he's, like, a representation of the devil. hmm And that's kind of why...
1: That's a good, a good that's, idea. That's
0: kind of why Jesus is so prominent in the movie, too, like, Jesus and the Brides of Dracula. Like, yeah, since Jesus is in the movie, that would mean that the devil would be real, too, according to most religions. Mm -hmm. So. I guess like this guy is like the devil and hiding like. Evil and like hidden meanings in all of these songs to kind of get his message out there, because there's that line where where Sam tells the songwriter, like you have everything and the songwriter says that he doesn't which could imply like he doesn't have his full control over the world i think and i guess the idea is like since he's aging like i'm convinced that like there was more than one songwriter but it's like pretty much just like the songwriter is like an entity that would take over someone else's body and I know we're getting like way out there, and in like body levitary, <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Like it's implied that he's written music for centuries, and that he's going to keep writing music. And Sam kills him off, like in like with Kurt Cobain's guitar, which is like a very, um, you know, graphic death. <laughs> yeah. So I guess... I know, it's almost, like, unexpected. Yeah. So I think, like, since he's killed off, but he says he's going to keep writing music, I'm assuming that since he is dead, that they're just going to keep... Like, they're just going to find him, someone else, or, like, another body to take over. Yeah. And Yeah, that would make sense. Like, if this guy was... Five hundred years old or something, he would look a lot older than he already does. Yeah, <laughs> like he already looks in terrible shape, <laughs> but he would look he would look a lot worse than he actually does now. So I guess another thing to to point out is this is kind of just like, well, I'm I'm kind of going to go down the list of a couple things that I noticed in this in this movie, and you can kind of give me feedback as I go.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: So there's the scene where Sam uh hears like someone in the pool. He looks out the window and it's revealed to be uh Sarah after she's already gone missing. Mm-hmm. And she starts barking at him. Um mm-hmm. that that scene is actually taken from an unfinished Marilyn Monroe movie. And oh. I get I guess there was controversy behind like why it's unfinished and like so from what I remember, and I could be getting this wrong, I guess she was sick during the filming and the director got mad at her and said that, like, she was very unprofessional and couldn't finish her work. And keep in mind, this director was a male. Yeah. So so she got fired from this movie, and then a month later, she passed away. So, I guess, like, A, it could be that uh, Sam sees Sarah as his, like, Marilyn Monroe-type girl, like, his dream girl, I guess. hmm And B, it's just, like, another one of the many commentaries that this movie has on, like, men treating women like garbage in Hollywood. <laughs> I think maybe both. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's, like, a right or wrong answer. Yeah. But yeah, it's um yeah, just something worth noting. Another thing is when uh Sam first meets Sarah and they're like watching that movie in her bedroom. Mhm. They they're they're watching the movie How to Marry a Millionaire. And there's that one scene that I really like where it looks like they're talking about um they're talking about Sam. Did you notice that? Yeah. Because it's like they are... So I, I guess the movie, I've, I've never seen it, but they're like picking out these millionaires to marry. And I guess they get to one in the movie and they're like, he's really the end of the line, isn't he? And it's almost like they're talking about Sam being with Sarah. It's like, oh, well, that's really who she's gonna <laughs> she's going to be with. <laughs> i just thought that was an interesting one. um
1: yeah i did notice that
0: also i guess the the fireworks that they hear are in morse code and this is sarah's cue to like quote-unquote ascend because that's what they call it the the, mm-hmm. the morse code says i ascend now which i'm assuming is jefferson seventh's um it was this this billionaire that goes missing or whatever. Um, uh-huh. I guess it's his cue to like, oh, your 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 guys' tombs are ready. They're gonna go down into the earth because <laughs> <laughs> it's um it's revealed that these billionaires, I guess, plan to exist beyond like our realm. I guess so. Their solution uh-huh. to this is to yeah to, to, to live in these tunnels and, like, these tombs underground. They're sealed off under, like, miles of concrete. So, like, once they're down there, they're, like, stuck down there. And they get to take three women with them. And Sarah is one of these women. And it's a very, like, cult-like mindset, I guess.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's a terrible... Because 'Cause
0: I'm not sure like the whole um like I, I I don't know how they plan on surviving down there, but eventually they're gonna run out of air. <laughs> I don't know if there's any yeah. I don't know if there's anything feeding air down there. And
1: uh They have enough food to last six months.
0: Yeah, and it's like then they go on this this other realm of like immortality. <laughs> That'd be awful. I mean Everyone seems happy with their decision, it seems.
1: <laughs> yeah, they are. Well, that we know of. I know he said that they have access to a phone, but they cannot call out. They can only receive calls because they have had instances in the past where they decide they don't want to stay down there.
0: Okay, and they can't have people calling out and trying to escape. That'd, yeah. be, that'd be interesting.
1: And then Sarah pretty or he pretty much says it's impossible to escape.
0: Yeah, and, and Sarah's like it doesn't matter because I'm stuck here anyway. Yeah. So.
1: Because he said don't upset her because it's encased with like some, I don't know how many feet of concrete. Hundreds. Yeah, just
0: too much to dig through. Yeah. I don't know how they're building this thing without anyone knowing <laughs> 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 they never know. really they they never explain how they do it. They show that like the satellite images are unavailable. so wherever this is that is like off the grid in like area fifty one territory not, not not literally but yeah. it's like like you can't see it so yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, I don't know, it's an interesting. Concept, But I just don't know how it would be possible for this to even happen. Um, I also think that's kind of like a way of suggesting that Hollywood is built on, like, portrait women and billionaires. <laughs> like, literally, mm-hmm. and, like, if you look into, like, the, the movie and music industry, it's, like, the same thing. Like, figuratively, okay. it's built on... Millionaires, so or billionaires, so yeah. So there's that there's that scene where they're watching the uh this movie in a cemetery. And that movie is actually David Robert Mitchell's first film, The Myth of the American Sleepover. Mm. But for some reason it was reshot. Like the scene that they show is reshot with the actors that are currently in the movie. Like I think uh Sidney Sweeney is one of the actresses and that scene from that movie is reshot with her in it. So I wasn't sure like why they kept there or, or why they reshot it. Mm-hmm. But I just thought it was interesting. I, I don't know if, if I guess if you want to look deep into it, it's to show that like actresses, actors are recyclable. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if you yeah, wanted it, to it could be <laughs> I, I, I guess if that's like how far you wanted to look into the movie I guess that could yeah. be but might might be a, a little bit um a little bit too much <laughs> um so uh there there's that scene where they're talking about mysteries Sam and Topher Grace are talking about mysteries and like how there's none left and in that scene it shows sam playing mario and he hits like the hidden block in the ceiling
1: mhm
0: so it's like there are no mysteries left and then he hits like the secret block and it's like oh that's a hidden block that everybody everybody who's played mario knows about so
1: there's <laughs> a ton of mysteries
0: yeah <laughs> um there's also that great shot where the in the songwriter's house where he's talking about the songwriter's going on about how everything uh you've dreamed of being a part of is a fabrication and it's built on or it's it's the shell of other men's ambitions. So mm-hmm. like when he's given that big spiel, he's looking directly at the camera as if he's talking to the viewer. Like, hey, the the music you're listening this is about to- you know? <laughs> <laughs> like the music you're listening to has no meaning. And it's a um, a fabrication on other men's ambitions. And I, I guess when I say it has no meaning, it, it has a, a different meaning than what you actually think it does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I also like in the scene where Sam is talking to Sarah on the phone. She literally says, like, what's in the back of the viewer's mind the entire time, because she says, like, you, you you hardly know me. Mm-hmm. And it's like the whole time Sam is going on this journey to find her it's like you literally just met her the night before. So <laughs> why is this so important?
1: Yeah, that's and, the other thing i thought about when I wasn't thinking about his rent.
0: <laughs> yeah. And she seems so like, surprised. You're going, on the,
1: you're going on this big journey for someone you barely know.
0: Yeah. And she seems so surprised to even see that he's looking for her. And it's like like you hardly know me. And it's like, yeah, that was in the back of everybody's mind watching this. (laughs) Is that he hardly um he hardly knew her. And I think that's a kind of like puts a cap on the journey because that's where it's like the tone shifts again and it's like, oh she she's right. Like (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like Why would, like, if she's going on this journey, like, why would she even think to tell him? (laughs) Yeah. Why would he be looking for her? Because it's like, how many, not even, like, sexual encounters or anything, but, like, how many encounters do you have with people that you just don't even think twice about? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, that could very well be what Sarah sees in Sam, is that he's just, like, someone that she hung out with once. And that was it.
1: (laughs) But he thought it was this big... Big
0: thing. Yeah. I also love how they like... Casually say... That... They remove like all the teeth... And... Unessential organs from the body... (laughs) When people go down into this... Tomb. Because they say they found Jefferson Seppin's remains... But they only found his... Teeth and his unessential organs. So it's like, hmm. just take out all of his teeth, and like, put his, um, like appendix and gallbladder, <laughs> on the scene.
1: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs>
0: um, another thing I want to talk about, is, the death of Millicent Sevens, uh, Jefferson's daughter, which, this, I guess, is probably my only, suspicion that Sam is actually killing women too Mm-hmm. because this is
1: also like the suspicion that it might not be real
0: yeah so she takes him into like the reservoir and is like we're safe here and no one can hear us and all this and that and she like turns down Sam's like pitch to sleep with him and then she's just shot with like a stray bullet from the distance
1: <laughs> yeah because somebody just starts shooting at them
0: and so first off i took it as sam actually killing her because she passed down his uh request to to sleep with him and it's like oh well, you're not going to sleep mm-hmm. with me so screw you so he Death. <laughs> pretty much <laughs> and not only that but her body goes into the position of the playboy issue that Sam was obsessed with when he was a kid. Yeah. And it's like, oh, so I can get pleasure from killing women too. You know what I mean? Like, she Uh falls like that, and it's like, oh, so... Killing women also feels good, like killing dogs does.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's why I thought it might not be real just because she falls into that position
0: yeah yeah i i honestly don't know the answer to that so there there are a couple scenes in this movie where you you hear like this like whistle in the music score and that's supposed to give like a hint that this scene doesn't actually happen and it happens when the squirrel falls from the tree and dies Happens uh-huh. when the homeless king first appears, and there's like one other time, but it doesn't happen here. So, I'm not even sure how accurate that theory is that the music cue tells, tells you that it's not happening. Uh-huh. They never really say one way or another. So, I don't know, because there's a bunch of weird scenes that would imply it didn't actually happen but you don't hear that sound either so i don't really know
1: that homeless king was kind of funny cuz he must have just been watching the statue to see if somebody pats its head
0: yeah well well that's where you hear the the whistle so that would imply that according to this theory it would imply that that's not real mm. but i mean honestly i took it that he was real so i don't really I don't really know
1: <laughs> and then I thought at the end, the homeless king thought he was the dog killer. He's like, "Why do you have these treats?" Yeah, like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah I don't know.
0: Yeah, I I took that too. And then he just like casually says, "Like, oh, we, we might kill you in the future. I don't I don't know yet. Just don't tell anybody." <laughs> Don't tell anybody yeah, what happened just, here. I would just leave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think, like, that is... Like, th- there's, like, the massive keep quiet sign on his house when he gets back home. Like, those... Um.
1: Oh, yeah. Those,
0: like, sideways squares or whatever. Like, those are... Like, that's, like, very big in his apartment when he gets home. So I think that's, like, just assigned, like, he knows this massive conspiracy that he kind of has to keep quiet about.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. And the landlord was furious to find it. Yeah. (laughs)
0: And (laughs) that's kind of where the movie ends with the angry landlord, and Sam is now homeless, which, if you remember from the previous scene, he says he hates the homeless. And that he's actually...
1: Yeah, with um right. Millicent he said he hates the
0: homeless. They just sit around and watch society or whatever, something like that. Which is actually what he does, <laughs> you know. Like he pretty yeah, pretty much the same thing. He already uh he already does that, so Yeah, it's like I don't know. It's just I guess he he is what he hates now.
1: Yeah. And he had no, <laughs>
0: obviously no rush to fix it. No, none, none at all. It's, uh... <laughs> I don't know. He he gives this look at the end of the movie where, that he seems, like, relieved. That he is now done with all of this, this stuff. But, like, I just don't know where he would go from here, you know?
1: Yeah. I feel like it's just beginning. <laughs>
0: Yeah. We we need a sequel.
1: <laughs> he thinks it's done, but it's really just
0: beginning. Yeah. Um th- there's also it, it it shows him watching the movie Seventh Heaven at the end of the movie. And he also gets crackers and orange juice, which were Sarah's favorite snack. Mm-hmm. And an interesting thing if you if you look at the movie Seventh Heaven The scene that they show, since it's a silent movie, it just says on the screen, never look down, always look up. And when that comes on the screen, he hears the parrot talking in like that Mm -hmm. indecipherable words or whatever. Um, Yeah. Well, if you look back to when Sam first saw Sarah, I think that that line from seventh heaven is showing that Sam should have always looked up at the parrot lady and never looked down at Sarah. Uh, because like, honestly, he wouldn't have gone through any of this had he have just slept with the, the parrot lady. <laughs> Instead, oh, yeah. he tried to hook up with Sarah, went on this like life altering journey. Now he's homeless. Now he's miserable. <laughs>
1: Possibly going to die soon. Yeah.
0: So, never look down, always look up.
1: <laughs> That'd be a message. Yeah. Words to live by.
0: I think that's all I have on this movie. Um, Do you have anything else?
1: No, I think I'm good too.
0: Okay. All right, so yeah, one of my favorite movies of all time. I I could honestly... Talk about the different things in this movie for hours and hours so i don't know if this if there's if there's a market for this episode uh since it's such an obscure film <laughs> maybe we could do a part two and talk more in depth about mm-hmm. some of the stuff that we can uncover because there's just so much in this movie that you could you know look into and decipher oh, yeah even like the opening um uh, shot of the movie, like, it flashes a unicorn, a tiger, a snake, and a lion. And it's, like, UTSL, under the silver lake. And it's, like, a, uh. just right from the get-go. It's, like, you know, very uh, prominent, and, like, you know, like, we're gonna throw these hidden clues at you. hmm uh-huh. So... Yeah, one of my favorite movies of all time. I can't recommend this movie enough. And I can't recommend uh digging into like a lot of like the clues and whatnot and yeah, just it's it's like a rabbit hole that you could just go on and you could watch the movie like six times and still find like new things about it and yeah. Yeah, there's a whole subreddit um dedicated to to this movie where people are trying huh. like still trying to kind of decipher a lot of what's going on. So, yeah. It's um I can't recommend it. Are this you movie a part yet. of it? Um I'm not sure if I have a Reddit account. <laughs> so, I don't know. Um mm. I think I might have been when I had a Reddit account, but I don't think I have one. Or I I don't think I've been on Reddit in like forever in my account. Like I've Scrolled on like some of the theories that people have. Uh-huh. I'm not like active in the community or anything.
1: Uh, yeah, I have a Reddit account. I just don't use it.
0: Yeah. All right. Do you have any more final thoughts on this movie?
1: Um, I think I'm pretty much good. Okay. It's a very good movie. I highly recommend watching it
0: right would you like to jump into our weekly recommendations hmm would you like to come
1: into <laughs> what's <it bad? laughs> It's time <laughs> to recommend something oh. that You and me were recommending
0: Alright, what would you like to recommend? A bunch of drops Okay I'm just gonna
1: Recommend a movie I recently saw Called God is a Bullet Okay That's almost like a similar vibe To this movie in a way yeah. It's about this guy who hunts down this cult that murders his ex-wife and kidnaps his daughter. Pretty much.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not like a like a blatant rip-off of this movie. I, I can see how the vibes the vibes yeah. are similar.
1: Yeah, it just has a similar vibe to yeah. it.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't want to say too, too much about it because we plan on doing an episode on it soon.
0: Yeah. Uh, it comes to VOD, I think a week and a half. So probably Mm -hmm. coming up, we'll, um, do an episode on it. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. It is a very good movie. Very underrated.
0: Yeah. It's my favorite. favorite. I don't know if it just came out at the wrong time or. Well, I, what could have been I looked into a little bit of the release of this movie, and I guess their idea was to do a limited release and they would only pick like certain times for it to show. So like you know how like a lot of the times, like Friday, Saturday night people are going to see like right now, they're going to see like Spider Man or uh Indiana Jones. The, yeah, the Flash, Indiana Jones movies like that. Well, mm-hmm. I guess they are. Uh, they like chose to not play their movies at that time, like late night or like. I guess I chose like matinee showings for the most part. And uh, okay, I guess they thought it would help it be more successful. Unfortunately, I guess it still hasn't found. Uh-huh. the community that it needs because that movie is great and my favorite movie of the year so far I feel like they should have,
1: they should have kept it like on a nighttime showing because this would be the type of movie that like, say you go to see The Flash it's sold out oh I'm gonna go see God as a Bolt that might be good and then you're just blown away
0: <laughs> honestly yeah it might have helped I don't know like if it costs to play your movies at, at, a, at a certain time and I don't, I don't know if that's why like, I don't know. It's cheaper to just do matinee showings. I'm not sure. But unfortunately, at least around here is out of theaters. And yeah, um mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not entirely sure like what the plan is. I don't know if it's out of theaters everywhere and if it's going to streaming and then it's just out of theaters. I don't know. But apparently,
1: Yeah, It's a it's a, a must see.
0: I did see it's on VOD on July 11th. So, yeah, that's.
1: It's a must see, but I don't know how to get people to see it. So,
0: yeah, once the VOD comes out, we'll do an episode and we'll try to convince people to check it out, (laughs) I guess. (laughs) Um, (laughs) All right, I'm going to recommend uh, another movie that we've kind of has a similar vibe. We've done an episode on it. Um gonna recommend Southland Tales, <laughs> another movie that, that I can't Uh-oh. recommend enough. Uh kind of like Under the Silver Lake, it kind of uh stunted the growth of a director's career. Because <laughs> unfortunately David Robert Mitchell hasn't um <laughs> made a movie since. I guess he's on board to direct like a dinosaur movie that comes oh. out next year, I guess. So I guess he is back, but uh, Richard Kelly, who directed Southland Tales, has not found work since 2009, and it's very unfortunate. Um, I don't even know how to begin describing Southland Tales other than it's, like, it's, like, futuristic movie that takes place in
1: 2008,
0: (laughs) and it's, like, ongoings of the rock who plays Boxer Santeros. He has, he's an actor who has amnesia and woke up in the Nevada desert. He's involved with a porn star. He also has political ties and his relationship with a porn star can't get out because his uh, father-in-law is running for president. And uh, Uh yeah, there's like clones and a bunch of uh, wacky stuff going on in that movie. But Another one of my favorites of all time. So
1: Yeah, that's pretty much the best way to describe
0: it. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll go with that. We'll go with that description. <laughs> Alright, so... Did we have a plan for next week's episode?
1: Um, I don't think so.
0: So, I know coming up... I'll just give like the list of movies that we have on the docket, because I'm not sure what's next. Uh, We have the new Insidious movie that I wanted to do an episode on, and we have uh, God is a Bullet. So I'm not sure, like, what we're doing next, or, like, what's... I guess it would depend on (laughs) when we go see Insidious. Yeah. So, I guess if we go next Friday night, we could probably do an episode on it. I think that would be...
1: Yeah, sounds good.
0: So I think that's the plan. So yeah. We'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll do God is a bold eventually.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Alright, um, did you have anything else for this episode?
1: Um, no, I don't think so.
0: Alright. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, you can. On Instagram, we are at Santamira After Dark. On Twitter, we are at Santa Mira AD Pod. And uh, please rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Help us uh, mm-hmm. defeat the algorithm and get our podcast out there. Yes. Right. Until next time, I'm Jeremy.
1: I'm Stephen. And curfew is now in session.